Hey, my whizzes, you are listening to episode 110 of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. And in today's episode, we are wrapping up season nine with another rapid fire Q&A show. So this has become a little bit of a tradition around here. And I love doing these super quick, less scripted episodes where I get to answer questions off the cuff. So in today's show, I am going to answer your questions related to topics of wholesale accounts. So we're discussing pitching during the holiday season, connecting with buyers, even if you didn't go to trade shows this year, establishing a minimum accepted retail price or your map, checking in with your retail accounts, like how often and the frequency there, and whether or not you should give wholesale buyers holiday gifts this upcoming season. So let's get right into it. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Allie Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. I've got a valuable freebie to go along with today's episode. It's my workbook on 100 wholesale buyer knows, which outlines all of the excuses that I used to give brands who weren't a great fit for our shelves back when I was a grocery buyer. This download helps you prepare for any possible no and teaches you how to change it into a yes. Find the free link in our show notes. Okay, my whizzes, here we go, jumping right in. Now, if you have a question for a future rapid fire episode, just shoot me a DM on Instagram and I will add it to our queue. So you guys know you can find me at it's Ali ball, and I would love to hear from you. I would love to give you a follow right back. And I'd love to answer your question on our next ask me anything rapid fire show. So on to today's questions. I told you this is rapid fire. So number one, (laughs) it is mid-September. Can I still pitch to retail accounts this year? This is a great question. And first of all, I love that, that the person who submitted this has the awareness that the fourth quarter, so October, November, and December is really, really busy for retail accounts. And we know why this is, right? It's the holidays. Buyers become, I always say, heads down in turkeys and candy canes and all of the seasonal shifts that happen during the holiday season. Plus, that is when retail stores have the majority of their sales. So it means more people in in the store. I mean, we'll see how that plays out with, with COVID, but more people purchasing products, whether that is physically in the stores or if it means more like larger baskets with click and collect this year. I think we'll see a lot of that, um, more frequent orders, more seasonal staff to manage, a lot of moving parts around the holidays in retail. So so that question, can I still pitch to retail accounts this year at the time that this episode is coming out? So mid-September. So my answer is yes, but... There's always a but with a few caveats that I really, and I really, really need you to proceed with caution here. So the last thing we want you to do is to reach out the wrong way and turn off that buyer and blow your one shot at at getting on that particular shelf. So here's what you need to think about as you debate if you're going to pitch and how you're going to pitch. So first off, you want to make sure you're really 
aware of your category, know your category and whether or not buyers are interested in bringing in new products in your particular category right now. And so this is, this is a little bit of common sense here. So buyers are more interested in holiday related things and seasonally appropriate things than let's say spring and summer related categories right now, right? Obviously, that buyer is much more aware and much more interested in a pumpkin bread mix than they are interested in a ready-to-drink iced tea brand right now, right? Um, And especially, I will just say, you would flip those if you are listening from the Southern Hemisphere. We've got a lot of listeners in Australia and New Zealand. And so, no, you know, uh, if you're listening to this in September in Australia, that category buyer might be interested in refrigerated iced teas right now and not so much those um, warm weather things, you know, that like broths and, and, and things that really come out around, you know, winter here in the U.S., Okay. So, so you really need to, like I said, it's a little bit common sense, um, really thinking about if your category fits into fourth quarter displays, if it fits into a category that might sell faster in the first quarter, and if not just proceed with caution, you might pause, you might pause on whether on, on your pitches this year. Now I'm going to say a disclaimer. We have this wonderful, wonderful retail ready brand, um, student in retail ready who makes cold brew and he pitched all throughout the fourth quarter last year. And he had incredible success. And that's because he had his pitch dialed in. He knew exactly the language the buyers wanted to hear and, and how to convince them that it was worth the time and energy to put his cold brew coffee on their shelves in the fourth quarter. So there's always a way to do it. You just need to know how. So that's that's the second point here. Know what you're doing and don't waste that buyer's time. Frankly, if you're wasting that buyer's time, we could also argue that you're wasting your own time because it's not leading to results. So we don't want that for you here. So in that initial pitch, know that you've got to have your, you know, your elevator pitch dialed in. Your sell sheet needs to be, you know, knock their socks off. <laughs> your price list needs to be accurate and make make sense for your brand. It needs to be formatted correctly. You need to figure out what your promotional offer is, how they're going to uh, be encouraged to put you on the shelf with some sort of incentive. You need to figure out if you're going to do buybacks or guaranteed sales. You need to have a marketing plan in place and be able to articulate that to the buyer. You need to know your order and delivery logistics. You need to have all of these things, frankly, a few more things, sorted out ahead of time, right? The buyer does not have time to go back and forth with you after your pitch, they don't have time to go back and ask you clarifying questions, right? Especially not in the fourth quarter. So they are being pitched to by dozens of new products, you know, week in and week out. So if you are not 100% prepared, they're just going to overlook you and move on to the next brand. Okay. All right. So, (laughs) so all in all, you can pitch in the fourth quarter, but I want you to proceed with caution. Lastly, you might think about 
making sure that you are pitching to the right stores right now. So of course, I said retail is really busy. Grocery stores are really busy in the fourth quarter. But think about where are those other potential wholesale accounts that might not be quite as busy in the fourth quarter that makes sense for your brand and start pitching there too. So that could be um, you know, really leaning more into independent stores, small chains, alternative wholesale channels. Maybe you make protein bites and you really want to, you, it would make sense for your brand to start pitching to gyms or spas right now, as they think about, you know, gosh, January is going to be here before we know it. And everyone has their new year's resolution. It's time to get your protein balls on those gym shelves before January one rolls around. Right. Okay. So long story short, yes, you can pitch right now, but you have to know what you're doing. Okay. Number two, I love this question. Allie, I didn't go to the trade shows this year. (laughs) Well, that is the ones that still happened. What can I do to connect with buyers? Great. Okay. Good question. I get this all the time. I'm going to rattle off a couple things that you can do here. First off, pick up the phone and call the store. I, I can get on my high horse here and I'll tell you not enough people just pick up the phone. So pick up the phone and call your dream store. Second, connect with a buyer on LinkedIn. Great. Why not? Three, uh, third, use a third-party platform like RangeMe or Fair, um, any of the like independent ones that are coming up. I, I, I've got a whole other episode on these, uh, using these platforms effectively that's coming out later this year, but know that this platform, these platforms aren't going to solve all of your problems, right? They are essentially marketing channels. They, but they are definitely worth using the free versions of, and it's definitely one avenue, just one avenue that you can use to connect with buyers. Again, know that when you connect with buyers over platforms like that, you still have to do the cold outreach. Again, if you set your profile on range me, fair, whatever it is, and you expect to sit back and wait for the request to come rolling in, you have the wrong expectations for those. So get on those platforms and start your cold pitches. Next, send DMs on Instagram. We have seen this strategy work inside of Retail Ready where where food founders are connecting typically with marketing departments developing that relationships over in the DMs on Instagram and getting connected with the buyers from there. And then finally, send an email. (laughs) There are countless ways to get email addresses from buyers. Got to do some internet sleuthing and, you know, a well-crafted email. Again, you got to know what you're doing here. You have to know how to speak the language of the buyer, but a well-crafted email can open doors. So do not, so I've just told you what to do, how to connect with those buyers. I've got some other tricks up my sleeve as well, but do not, whatever you do, drop by unexpectedly. I know that this has worked for some of you in the past, but this is my golden rule. This has been my golden rule before COVID. This has nothing to do with that. It is a, it is my golden rule out of respect for the buyer's time. So no one likes to be interrupted during their busy workday, right? (laughs) And when you drop by unannounced, unexpected, and ask to meet with a buyer, you put a tiny wedge between you and that buyer. They mentally file away the fact that you swung by, that you 
frankly, disrespected their time and you tried to pitch their products to them. They may say yes. They may say yes to accepting your samples. They may say yes to carrying your product, but there's still a tiny, tiny piece inside their head that knows that recognizes that you are the brand that swung by and interrupted their workday, right? So what do you do instead? Again, pick up that phone, send that email, connect with them well before you swing by and drop off samples. There's always room. There's always a time and a place for for meeting face-to-face. I love that. I think it's a really important part of the pitch process, but we don't do it uh, unannounced and we don't do it as the first move. Okay. All right. Next up, Allie, can I require a store to sell my product at a particular price? Okay. So you heard in the intro, you'll sometimes hear this referred to as your MAP, M-A-P. That is a minimum advertised price. And it is when you tell that retailer a minimum that they can sell your product for. So we typically see this as a bigger challenge with e-commerce, right? As third-party sellers race to the bottom on price and try to win shoppers over with discounts and lower price tags. So let, let me talk first about like why, why we might consider putting a map in place and trying to regulate that. So often Often brands will do this when they are a premium premium brand and they want to keep brand integrity and want to keep this image of being of a certain quality, right? Certain high quality, right? Okay. So how do you do it? So, and let me, before I give you the how to do it, let me tell you, not all brands need this. It's, it's not that often that I see a brand do this. And if, if it isn't a problem for you, don't go about demanding that retailers put this in place before, like don't preemptively think that this is going to be a problem for you. Because again, buyers are busy. When you ask, when you come in as the vendor and try to put all these demands in place, you can appear to be a little bit high maintenance. So do not do this unless you are encountering a problem uh, where people are under undermining your own price. Okay. So fair warning there. All right. So first, this is how you do it. First, you can set expectations on your map when you onboard a new account. So have it clearly outlined in your sell sheet, have it on your price list, obviously, and put it in your new vendor paperwork. So usually a conversation around this is all that you need to get that buyer on the same page as you about expectations of your brand and how to price your price your products. So typically your map is similar to your own direct-to-consumer price. So that is the price that you are selling on your website. And being upfront with that buyer on why this is so important to you and your relationship with the consumer is, is really helpful. So that buyer understands the why behind your request, right? Remember, buyers are people too. So if you have that frankly, that like heartfelt conversation with them and tell them why you need to keep your products at a certain price, usually they respect that. So secondly, it's important to remember at the end of the day, the only, the only way that you can require or hold that buyer or vendor accountable for this is to stop selling to them if they refuse to on, honor your map, right? That is pretty much the only um, consequence. The only thing that you can do, the only way that you can hold that buyer accountable is to stop, stop selling to them, even if they don't honor your minimum advertised price request. So I haven't seen a legal way that brands can 
enforce your MAP, although I'm sure you could get a contract in place that would require a new account to, to meet that, that minimum price. But then again, like not all accounts would sign it. You would seem, <laughs> you would seem high maintenance, and then you would have to take legal action if that account didn't meet your MAP. And gosh, we all know how, how much of a headache that is and how expensive that would be. So likely you would end up discontinuing that relationship anyways. So I don't recommend uh, going so far as to get a contract for your MAP. I always recommend a heart-to-heart conversation. Last thing I'll say, I said it at the beginning that this is typically something that comes up more often with e-commerce channels. And there are softwares. I've heard rumor of software out there that helps, um, that will audit your accounts and make sure that basically will like um, troll the internet like and make sure that that your minimum pricing is met and it'll flag you if not. So again, if this is something that's really a problem for your brand, you can look into paying for software, um, usually like a monthly fee to make sure that people are respecting your map. Okay, I've got two questions left. All right, number one. (laughs) So how often should I check in on my retail accounts? I love this question because it shows that you are... Uh, that you're considerate with your retail accounts and you know that the work begins once you get on the shelf. Okay. So this depends on your category and your velocity. So if you are in a category that moves faster, let's say you sell chips or ready to drink beverage or refrigerated meal kits, these things sell fast. The faster your product moves, the more often you need to check in on your wholesale accounts. So on the other hand, if you sell a slower moving product like honey or salt or you know even some condiments, right? Like fish sauce, let's say, you might not need to restock as often as say like a fresh baked chocolate chip cookie, right? So above all, what you want to do is ask the buyer what they would like. So when you start a new relationship with a retail account, have you want to set expectations with from the very beginning excuse me from the very beginning with that buyer right so have an idea of how often it's reasonable for you as the food founder to check in on an account and again this can be checking in on that account can be a phone call or email right no need to drop by in person for most categories unless you are doing the stocking and the fronting yourself for your brand So anyways, have an idea of what works for you. What would be an ideal rhythm for you? And then you can ask that buyer if it works for them. So we always, we always think first, like what works for us as the founder? What can we, what can we realistically do and uh, commit to? And then you can run that by the buyer. So if you do it the other way around, right? If you just, um, you just ask the buyer, how often do you want me to check in on you? They will likely say, don't worry about it. I'll reach out to you if we need a reorder. And then that combo comes to a halt. Okay. So, so figure out what your own expectations are, run them by the buyer, and then make sure that you do it. Okay. Again, faster moving product needs more frequent check-ins. If I had to put a number on it, just like an average, uh, I would say checking in every two to three weeks with your wholesale accounts feels really good to me. I also love a check-in uh, via email that says, you know, when I was a buyer, I used to love getting emails that were like, hey, Allie, just checking in to see if you need a reorder of XYZ. If you do, write back to this email. If not, no need to reply. 
And that's the key sentence. No need to reply. Takes the pressure off me. I just delete the email if I don't need to reorder and I go, go along. Okay. Last question here, you guys, the holidays are coming. The holidays are coming, man. It is sneaking up on me. The holidays are coming. Should I do gifts for my retail accounts this year? And if so, what should I give them? Okay. So I know, I know the holidays are still a ways out, but I wanted to include this one in the rapid fire because planning ahead is important, (laughs) especially if you're going to do any sort of custom gift, any sort of branded gift here. Okay. Um, and also like, gosh, don't you hate it when it's, you know, mid December and you are scrambling to get your gifts together. I, you know, each year I feel like I do my shopping earlier and earlier and it always takes the pressure off. Okay. So know that gift giving is not required and, but it can be nice for your key accounts. So that being said, some stores have a very strict, no gifts policy. So just, just be aware of that. Like sometimes you'll go to give a gift and a buyer will say like, I'm sorry, we have a no gifts policy and, and that's okay. So I often think that a seasonal card and a thank you can just can be just as an effective as a gift. And remember that gifts, if you do decide to do tangible gifts, they don't have to be expensive to be effective, right? I am someone who, you know, when I was in a buyer role, I would get a lot of gifts and a lot of it just felt like crap to me. And I say that in the nicest way, <laughs> but it, a lot of it was just branded swag that I really didn't want, um, t-shirts that were way too big. (laughs) We, um, you know, in with some, some of the accounts that I worked with, like we weren't allowed to wear branded shirts. Like we had to wear our own, you know, uniform in retail or an apron or something like that. So the shirts really just frankly went into the donation bin for me. So really If you are going to give gifts, I would encourage you to think about things that the grocery team is actually going to use rather than just more branded junk that ends up in the landfill, right? I think about all the corporate swag that you have gotten along the way and so much of it just gets tossed out. So here's my plea to please be mindful as you think about physical gifts, right? We do not want to contribute to waste. So if you are looking for things that are actually useful for a stalker team, here are a few ideas, and I'm going to link examples of these in the show notes. So first off is branded box cutters. I love this. So I'm, I'm really talking about the small flat ones that are about, you know, four inches by one inch and are just as thin as gosh, like a piece of heavy cardboard that slips right inside a stocker's pocket. As a grocery stocker, you are opening up boxes all day long. So like a slim, um, one of those slim box cutters, of, of gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word, like a, a razor cutter is, is so, so helpful. And they can be branded with your, with your company logo on there. It's so fun. I also really love cooler gloves. You know, those, those grippy cooler gloves that are a little bit insulated. If you have a product that's frozen or refrigerator, refrigerated stockers love those. I always think that branded Sharpies, it sounds so silly, but Sharpies always go missing in retail and they are so, so useful. So branded Sharpie or branded pen. We, we used to always run out at buy, right? You know, nowadays you can think about doing face masks. You know, there are many, many things that you can give as gifts, but I love making them useful. So again, 
I would also encourage you to think about something that doesn't contribute to waste. So how about a $10 gift card to the coffee shop down the street, right? Where you can support another local business. You know, that grocery team is going to use it, you know, something like that. Um, Or again, I always love food gifts, fresh baked cookies, a fruit basket, a box of chocolates, right? I remember one year I had a founder who who I got to know pretty well over time. They dropped off a pre-mixed Negroni that they had made in a little glass ball jar. So this was way back before canned cocktails were a thing on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. It was the best gift that I have ever gotten as a grocery buyer. And I still keep in touch with that food founder. It's, you know, it's amazing that Wednesday night before Thanksgiving is the biggest day of the year in retail. So having a Negroni when my shift was over was exactly what I wanted. So the last thing that I'll say about gift giving is that the gift of time is always fantastic. So saying yes to doing a demo around the holidays, you know, if it's safe, TBD, right? Uh, Offering to stock your products directly on the shelf when you drop off your your next delivery, right? So just be sure, obviously, here's the grocery buyer in me, check back stock first and rotate correctly. You do not want to be the reason why there is misrotation on their shelves. Or maybe you're lending a hand, clearing deliveries, breaking down boxes, you know, um, tidying up if you've got that that sort of relationship with the team. Staffing is tight around the holidays, and I am going to bet anything that we're going to really see a pinch this coming season. So lending a hand can be the most valuable gift you can give. Again, little disclaimer here, don't put more work on the team, right? So don't go in and like expect training or um, don't get in the way. But if you can do it, in a a way that is actually helpful for the team. Time is an amazing gift. Okay, you guys, (laughs) that is it for today's rapid fire episode themed around your wholesale questions. So we talked about pitching during the holiday season. If you're going to do it, you've got to do it correctly. We talked about connecting with buyers, how to connect with buyers. If you didn't go to a trade show this year, We talked about establishing your minimum retail price or your map. And again, don't do it unless you already have a problem with people discounting your products. And we talked about how often you should check in with your retail accounts, right? You set the expectation and then clear it with your your accounts. And finally, we talked about whether or not you should give gifts to your wholesale buyers or your grocery teams or whatever department you're in this coming upcoming season. So if you're going to do it, do it thoughtfully. So I want to know which question and answer did you need to hear today? Let me know. So I love, love, love knowing who is listening and following along. So shoot me a DM on Instagram or even better, grab a screenshot and post it to your stories so I can share it in my feed as well. So your support and sharing of this podcast helps me reach even more food founders. And I cannot thank you enough for helping me spread the word. All right. So that is it for today and season nine of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. As always, find all of today's details and links to those resources that I mentioned directly in our show notes, as well as an invite to join our Food Biz Whiz Facebook group, where where we are over 
2000 food and beverage founders continuing the conversation around these podcast topics. So thank you for tuning in today. And I will be back here next week to kick off season 10 with an episode that dives a little bit deeper on getting set up for success in the fourth quarter. Have a good one. Bye. This episode is supported by my free workbook on 100 Wholesale Buyer Knows. Why would you want a list of 100 heartbreaking reasons why a buyer says no to your product line, or frankly, why they never call you back in the first place? Well, when you anticipate the no, you can prepare your rebuttal, and that's exactly what I'm walking you through in this free download. Find it directly in the show notes, and you are going to be one step closer to getting those wholesale buyers to trust you, trust your product line, and place a first order. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Whiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.